faith works. All right. Hey, we're continuing in James. How's everybody this morning? Good. Who's excited to end the fast? Yes. Okay. Now, here's what I want to encourage you. We don't move from fasting to like crazy feasting, okay? Like you just doesn't like come off that time and be like, I'm going all in again. I'm going with all this stuff. Um, you can fix the camera a little bit if you can. Um, and, so, um, and, and so we're finishing the fast. I, I want you to do something before we get going. Everybody grab your phones with me right now. Everybody grab your phone. And, um, and I want you to scan this QR code. We're going to do something fun in just a couple of minutes, and so I thought I'd get you rolling in at that. Uh, you can go to mindnewhope.tv forward slash poll. We're going to do some polling. Woo! We're going to have fun, okay? So go ahead and scan that, get to it. So if you haven't been with us, we are, we, we're just ending this season, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting as a church, and it's a time to go intense. It's a time to go deep with God, and, and uh, it's been awesome. I've already, you know, talking to different people, saying I've experienced God in new ways. I've, I've like, I feel like I'm closer to Him. I know for our family, for me personally, this was one of the most um, deep um, seasons of fasting I've ever been in. Like, I, I've, I don't know what the difference was, but it was different, and, uh, and pursuing God in a different way was, was powerful, and, um, and so I, I'm praying for us and praying for you that you just don't stop, and then it's like, okay, and I'm just going to go back to life. You, you can learn about the things you need to actually keep out of your life. I know some of you that went off social media or went off different media, that kind of stuff, and you're like, I realized how distracted I was once I let it go, right? And so we want to lay down the idols of our hearts and our lives that create distraction and lead us away from God. We want to walk towards God, amen? amen. And, uh, and keep that journey going through 2023 all together. So we are in the book of James, and uh, we are in chapter 3, and if you want to jump there too, you can jump to James chapter 3, the last section. We're going to be there in just a minute. If you haven't joined us in a series here at New Hope, we go through books of the Bible. That's how we teach on Sunday mornings, and we help small groups. So you're in small groups, go deeper into what you hear on Sunday mornings. Many of them do that, um, and, uh, and also we create these things called reading plans or series guides, and, it, and they are just a tool for you to go through and, and read the passage leading up to the Sunday, spend some quiet time in prayer, that kind of stuff. And so if you ha- want one of those, there's some on the back, um, in the uh, back table as you leave or online, mindnewhope.tv forward slash James. So we're, this is the fasting one, but we're doing James a reading plan. And you can um, join us in that journey, spend each day with God in prayer, because we believe that is where uh, powerful life change happens. That's when we walk and change and the Holy Spirit works in us. And so we want you to do that every day, not just have an awesome feast on Sundays, but let's eat all throughout the week spiritually, right? Let, let's be with God. And, and a part of that is we do a memory verse, and we've had the same memory verse, and this is the last week for this one. Next week, we're jumping to the next one, which is on the other side of the reading plan, which is longer. I want to challenge you a little bit. Um, but this one, we're talking about wisdom from James chapter 1, the first chapter, and actually, today's sermon is all about this. It's all about wisdom. And so this is a great passage for us to quote out loud. So if you're with me, everybody ready to read this out loud? And, and I'm, I'm praying, I'm hoping that you're actually memorizing it. You're doing this each day. That's why we give you the little cards you can cut off of the reading plans. So you can stick it where you need to read it and memorize it. But this is a great verse. Everybody read this out loud with me. Okay, ready? If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, 
and it will be given to you. That's a great promise. God says, ask, and I'll give it to you, right? I'll give you wisdom, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning is wisdom. And so let's do this. We're going to stand again as we read God's Word. We want to stand in honor of God's Word, and so we're going to read the main passage. If you can stand with me. If you're not able to, that's okay, but if you're able to, um, this is James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18 this morning. So let's read the passage that we're digging into this morning. This is what it says, starting in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, your heart, in your hearts do not boast about or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. God, we're going to trust your word this morning that you have something to say to us. We live in this world, God. We have sin in us. We're not perfect, and we know the enemy attacks. And this morning, we want to walk in a true wisdom not a lesser than wisdom, not an earthly wisdom. We want to walk in a true wisdom. So we're going to pray right now. Would your Holy Spirit work? Would your word speak? And would you change us and grow us and reveal what we need to change? We just thank you for what you've given us in Christ's name. Everybody said amen. amen. Awesome. Everybody say victory. victory. All right, we're still walking in it. You guys can have a seat. We're still walking in victory, right? Yeah. We're still walking into the things that, uh, that we want to experience victory in. Um, so that was that. That was what we just did. Um, okay, so we're going to play a game. Everybody like games? Yeah. All right, so you have your, did everybody got your app ready? Everybody's ready? We're going to play a game called Would You Rather. Have you ever played the game Would You Rather? And Would You Rather is a fun game because it's usually you're given two things that are actually both bad and you have to choose which one you would rather do, okay? And so we're going to take some polls. Some of it's a spiritual test. I want to see where everybody's at, but, but we're going to take a poll. If you've got that, it'll show up here on the screens in a moment. But here's the first question. It's going to go live right now. Would you rather find $1 million or have your best friend find $10 million? Which one would you rather? Go ahead and click your answers now and it'll pop up on the screen as we go with the answers to see which one that you want to do. Oh, so far, some of you, because you're thinking, well, if my friend has it, he may just give me one of them, right? Is that what you're thinking? Like, I don't know what's going on behind, behind the thoughts, but you guys are, okay, you're kind of being generous. I'd rather have my best friend be the millionaire so you don't have to worry about the taxes. Is that what it is? I don't know what it is. So, okay, so that's a pretty big one, 67 to 33%. You want your uh, best friend to find it. That's a good one. Okay, look, let's move to the next question, which is this. The next question is, would you rather have legs as long as fingers or have fingers as long as legs? Which one would you rather? Okay, let's see who wants what. This might be a 50. Oh, no, okay. We're, okay, it's kind of bouncing around a little bit. You guys are answering. Oh, we're almost a 50-50. Have fingers as long as legs or have legs as long as fingers? Man, this is almost like you know, a November vote right here. All right, so we're, we're almost even on this one. Either way, we're going to have a lot of weird-looking people, and, uh, and uh, I don't know what your thinking is between the two, but that's a 50-50. Wow. Wow, that's interesting. Okay, I'm going to pause that one, um, and, and we're going to move to the next one. The next one is actually a spiritual question. This one is a test of your spirituality to see if you are actually right or wrong. 
Would you rather adopt a loving dog or adopt a cat? All right, go ahead and put your vote in. Would you rather adopt a loving dog or adopt a cat? Let's see. Let's see what's happening in the church and what's going on here. Okay, so far we're okay. Okay, so far we're all going to heaven. This is good. Okay, we're we're. Uh, Man, that one's a blowout. Okay, the whole, you know, legs and arms thing is no, no big deal. But uh, sorry, cat lovers, we love dogs. And notice I said loving dog, but there was nothing like that in front of cat. So, <laughs> so thank you. That gave me a great spiritual indicator and thermometer on, on where we're at as a church. Okay, here's the last one. All right, the last would you rather is going live right now. Would you rather use sandpaper as toilet paper for the rest of your life or use hot sauce as eye drops every single day? Would you rather, which one would you rather, all right? Okay, let's see. This one's trickier, isn't it? It's like either way, this is bad. Like this is, this is gonna, we're gonna look like those monkeys with the red butts, you know, or are we gonna look like, you know, I don't know what we're gonna look like. Um, wow, so far, sandpaper's winning. Sandpaper's winning by a landslide here, Okay. Um, those of you that have to use eye drops, I can't see, like for me, if, if I watch somebody put eye drops in, I cry. Even if I just watch them, I can't do that. So hot sauce would be ridiculous. Okay, so we're going to be at church. I'll, I'll buy the sandpaper next week, and we'll have it here in our bathrooms. Uh, we'll be good to go, right? Okay, so fun game, right? All right, we're going we're gonna to bring that down now as far as the polls go. But, but the thing is, there's choices, right, in, in this game. It's like this or that, this or that, this or that. And the reality is our life is full of choices, isn't it? Every single day you make a choice. Every single day you make choices between two things. And sometimes we make choices that are the big deal choices between giant things that might change our life forever. And, and so we have those seasons. And the reality is our life is the culmination of every single one of our choices. That is what life is. And so fill in the blank. Our choices determine the direction and quality of our lives. That's what choices do. Every single day, whatever choice you make, A or B, rather this or that, whatever it might be, your choices every single day determine the direction. I mean, that choice is going to determine where am I going? What path am I on? Um, am I heading in the right path or the wrong path? Am I heading towards life or death? Where am I heading? It's the direction and the quality, meaning choices are going to determine, is this going to be a good life, an easier life, a right life, or is this going to be a difficult life, a hard life, a frustrating life? So the direction and quality of our lives, our choices. Choices matter. Choices are a big deal. Our lives are exposed by our choices, aren't they? That's what we learned in James chapter 2 when he said our actions reveal our faith. That's faith and deeds, right? He said, no, 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 the, the deeds are the, the proof, the external proof of the faith we have internally. So what we choose shows what's in our hearts. And so we want to make sure that our choices are heading in the right direction and heading towards the right quality of life we want to experience, but they're also heading towards God, right? Especially those of you in this room who've already made a decision that God is the center of your world, that Jesus is your Savior, that, that if you've already made that decision, your hope and your choice is like, I want to be walking more that way than away from Him, right? I want to be living in wisdom. So when we think about the question right at the very beginning, I would ask you this question. What are the fruits of your choices? What's being revealed in your life today? When you think about things that have happened or where you're present, that's a, that's a challenging question. That's a coaching question. So what would you say all your decisions led to right now? Are they good or are they bad? Are they the right path, right direction? Or are they heading down the wrong path in the wrong direction? Because you're heading somewhere and the 
and your life is being affected one way or another. I would say for us as Christ followers, we want to walk in this word that we're talking about today, which is we want to walk in wisdom, right? We want to have wisdom. Let's, let's look at James 3.13. This is what it says. Who is wise and understanding among you? It's a great question, right? Who is it? Who is wise and understanding amongst us this morning? Well, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Do you see what's attached to wisdom? is humility, right? And so we're going to talk more about that by the end of the sermon this morning. But this is what the whole goal of this morning's message is. I'm giving you the main point right at the very beginning, okay? So I'm not hiding anything. This is the main point for us. So let's choose to trust God's wisdom over our own. Let's do it. Let's choose to trust that God has a wisdom that is higher than, way above than, more understanding than. He's omnipresent, all-knowing. He knows who I was before. He knows who I will be forever. Like, he knows all of it. So why wouldn't I want his wisdom, his advice, his, his word to direct the steps of my life? That's what we want. We want to choose God's wisdom over our own wisdom. Now, in this passage, we're going to see some things. I'm using a little illustration this morning um, with some liquids, all right, with, with some fun with some water and some murky water. And, uh, and so I, I'll talk about this as we, we get through the morning, and, and hopefully it'll be a visual that'll help you, like, okay, I want to understand this all the more, that you're just, it'll connect with you, and you'll remember it the rest of your life. That's my goal, Okay. No small task, all right? <laughs> um, but that's my goal uh, this morning. So in this passage that we're reading today, we, we see this attention between the world's wisdom and God's wisdom, right? And so first I want to unpack and talk about the world's wisdom, okay? A little play on words. Wisdom, because that's a lot of it. That's a lot of what this world tries to give us is things that are just dumb. They don't make sense, but for some reason culturally, People make them make sense, even though it's leading them down a path that they're going to experience consequences of. And so I would call it wisdom. Today, I would say, is there any lack of knowledge in the world today? Like, we live in the most knowledge-filled, like, access to knowledge than any point in history. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Like, you can Google anything. You can, like, just shout out to your phone, hey, Google, what's the capital of Nebraska? Never been there, right? Like, you can ask it anything, and you can get knowledge right away, boom, and you'll hear it audibly back to you, or Siri will say, I can't find anything, or here's what I found best. I'm like, give me the answer. Just don't say that, right? Don't make me click anything. How rude, right? Um, But that's the thing. We have access to all this knowledge, and the reality is knowledge does not equal wisdom, right? right? Knowledge does not, they're two different things. The reality is today we have so much knowledge, and we have knowledge flying at us at a pace that has never been thrown at us ever before, Here's the tension in that. There's this balance and actually this, this uh, struggle between what I would call truth and facts versus bias and opinion. And, uh, and so we're thrown knowledge and all of it's thrown us at the same time and we're supposed to receive and accept it as if all of it is truth. My truth, your truth, that truth, this truth. There's no such thing really as bias or opinion because it's all truth, whether it's my truth or your truth. And so we have to live in this knowledge-saturated culture and yet all of us are being told all of it is true all the time, which isn't possible, right? There are things that are true and things that are not true. There are things that are fact and there are things that are lies. Like, that's reality. 
but that's not what we're presented in the culture that we live in, and that's not what we're presented in the information uh, age that we live in. Now, here's the interesting thing I was thinking about this week. I didn't read this anywhere, but I was like thinking, like, we have so much information, but the reality, if I go back and, and I'm walking with Adam and Eve compared to like walking today, the reality is every single one of us still have the same capacity for knowledge that Adam and Eve had. Meaning we haven't grown in our personal capacity to know more. That's our wiring. That is our, that's our brain. That's how we're created. So if you were born in the 20s and you had access to a certain amount of knowledge in the 1920s, you had the same capacity then, no matter what the knowledge was coming out you, that we have today, even though there's more knowledge, we personally can't comprehend, digest, or process all the information that's coming to us. We all are limited beings. And so it's interesting we're being poured on with more knowledge, but honestly, none of us can deal with it. None of us can put it into us and like spit it out of us and contain all the knowledge that's being thrown at us. And what's ending up happening is we have the most anxiety-stricken culture in history because we're on information overload. I know things about people that I wish I would have never known about because they decided to post it and I have to emotionally engage with that post and think about why did they do that or why are they saying that when like I wouldn't have had to do that 20 years ago, but I have to do it now. And so I'm over, you know, you see what I'm saying? We have more information, but our capacity to process it hasn't changed since the beginning of history. So we allow it to just flow over us and create more stress, more anxiety, more worry, more comparison, because we're poured on with more of what I would call this world's wisdom. So how do you discern if it's wisdom? How do you discern if it's right and it's true? How do you discern that? Well, I think, I think there's a, a few things that we see in this passage that help us, give us a filter between seeing what would be the world's wisdom and what is God's wisdom. And, and the differences between the two as we look at this passage, because we see in this passage there are three adversaries to true wisdom. Three adversaries to, to true wisdom, and you can write these down as we look at this passage. The three adversaries to true wisdom is the world, our flesh, or our sin nature, and Satan. Demonic is what it says. So the three adversaries to experiencing what is true wisdom or godly wisdom are these three things. The world, which I just said is just pouring out data and information and knowledge, but it's really not giving us great wisdom. It's not, it doesn't, like, have politicians made better choices since they've had all the knowledge? No, it's the same story, right? It's the same, like, it we still deal with the information that we have the same way we always have. That's the world processes it, right? And, uh, and so, so this is what it says in that passage. This is, these are the three types of wisdom. Such wisdom, right, that, that isn't from God. It does not come from heaven. It's not godly. I mean, God's not like, that's the wisdom I want you to have. But no, that's not what he's saying. This wisdom, it's earthly, so of this world. It's unspiritual is the word he uses. It's, it's human. It's flesh. There's no spirit attached to it. It's, it's just this world, right? Unspiritual, and it's even demonic. So there's Satan's influence on this type of wisdom that we are dumped on every single day of our life. So I want to talk about the origin, the operation, the outcome of these types of wisdom before we get to the answer, okay? The origin, the operation, the outcome of this type of wisdom. And I'm using, um, I'm using some cups uh, to give you an example. So this cup right here represents your life. That's what it says on this cup. So this is you. 
This is me, this, this, this big cup. And we can see that, that the world, so this is the world. See how it's a little brown, it's a little murky? It's, it's like it's not very clear. Yeah, that's the wisdom of the world. It's not very clear. It's very murky. Every time you experience it, it doesn't give you more clarity. It might bring more confusion. And we allow the world to pour its wisdom into our life. And so now that murkiness that was in the world is now in us, and we're confused because we're given wisdom, but it, something's off. Something's not right. Something's not lining up. And so this is what we start to experience when we experience this type of wisdom, the wisdom from the world, this wisdom that I would call it. Okay, so yeah, I'm back to that. So these three adversaries, we're going to talk about the world first. You think about culture over history, like think about culture. Um, I, I did a little, uh, not really a little, little study, but you know, I'm thinking about how culture has changed over time. So like I was just mentioning the 1920s, like 1920s, they call it the Roaring Twenties, right? It was, a, it was a time of American history where things were just happening and popping and music was growing and parties and, and people were just enjoying life. It seemed like unlimited possibilities. And even in the 20s, like those who were elite were like practicing different things, like practicing the occult and like mysticism. And that was like the popular thing to do. And so they have seances and no, come to my house. We're going to do this thing. Like there were popular things in the culture that seemed like wisdom, right? And, and that's just what the culture was. And you just lived in that culture. Then you get to the 30s and 30s is when the Great Depression hits. So all that partying stopped for those that couldn't afford it. Still the rich would still party because they were the ones that still had the money. And Hollywood was still pumping out all these fun, you know, quirky comedies and all that stuff just try to boost morale around the country. But the reality is people were poor. People were dying. People had nothing. That was a shift in culture, wasn't it? Quite a big one. That's when everybody saved all their baggies and they cleaned all the stuff instead of throwing anything away. And some of you have grandparents or parents that, that you, you can't wait to clean out their house when they pass away because you're going to find lots of cool whip containers. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you throw nothing away. That was that culture. Because they're like, we don't waste anything. Then move forward a little bit. You get to the 60s and 70s. What was that culture that started kicking in in that time? Love, peace, drugs, rock and roll, sex. Like all of a sudden it was now we want to just experiment with everything we want to try everything. We want to please ourselves and be happy. And so that's a pretty big shift from the 1920s into the 30s. Now you get 60s and 70s, the culture shift. Then you move to the 80s and 90s, what I would call the yuppie period of our history, where it was prosperity, money, fame were the big ones, right? It was like, we, we, you want to be famous. You want to, be, you want to have lots of money. You want to show that off and, and look like somebody to everybody you're around. Like that was kind of the culture in the 80s and 90s. It was a sense of like, yeah, money's just everywhere and we're just, everything's going to be positive. And then you hit to the 2000s, which we're in now. And this is when tech and info just went through the roof. Technology started ruling and reigning in all of our lives in ways we never thought were going to be possible. Thinking about the 80s, a computer in the 80s. I had the Commodore 64, man. That thing was awesome. <laughs> right? A little joystick. One button, you know? Like, things changed a lot to where, you know, we have a billion things in our pocket all the time. This is, this, this is the culture of individuality. Because now everybody has access to all the knowledge, so we become very individual, you know? It's like, th th this is how we focus in the sense of unlimited growth in this technology. And so we see that culture changes, doesn't it? And, the, and culture shifts, things come in, things go, but the reality is the type of wisdom in all of those cultures that has been presented hasn't changed at all. What people would call wisdom from the 20s to today I would say from all, all thousands of years ago to today hasn't changed. And we've talked about this when we did the series through Ecclesiastes, right? 
When, when Solomon proclaimed, you know, it's all vain. It's all useless. And when he said that, what he was saying is, is this, that no matter what you are trying to pursue, this is what the wisdom of the world tells you to pursue. It says pursue knowledge, wealth, pleasure, work, fame, and sex. Those are the six. The top six things that Solomon pursued, and he found it meaningless, meaningless, right? That was thousands of years ago. 1920s, the same thing. 60s and 70s, the same thing. 80s and 90s, the same thing. Today, the same thing. The world's wisdom, what I'm trying to tell you, hasn't changed because our sin nature and our human likeness hasn't changed. Those desires of our heart were the same. It's just different things that we're pursuing. And so when you look at the heart and you look at what wisdom of the world is trying to get you to do is to grow in all these things. If you grow in knowledge, wealth, grow in pleasure, self-pleasing, if you're successful at work or people know you, you're famous. I mean, talk about right now. I mean, you can be insta-famous, right, uh, online. And then sex has been the constant pursuit throughout generations. If you pursue those and consider all of those as the wisdom of the world, you'll find yourself in an empty place at the end of your life. Ask how many billionaires, how satisfied they are with life. They are still pursuing it more, even though they have way more than any of us in this room will ever have, right? Because there's no end to that pursuit of wisdom. And it always will leave you feeling lesser than and empty. That's the wisdom of the world, right? That's that thing that is cloudy and will never leave satisfaction in your life. Then we have the next one, which it says our flesh, right? He talks about our flesh or our sin nature is what he's talking about there, that there's wisdom inside of ourselves that's there that's longing for something. We're enticed by something. All of us have something we're enticed by that we know doesn't lead us closer to God, right? Those things that just are the natural carnal nature inside of us that longs for whatever that thing is. And it can be something dangerous. It can be like drunkenness, right? It, it, it can be sexual exploitation. It could be, you know, all sorts of dangerous things. Or it could be simple things like gossip, like, like not working hard at your job and just being lazy. Like it can be any of those things. We're tempted to do things that don't represent heaven or God well because it's our sin nature that is trying to get us to do things that are lesser than. So we have then the wisdom of ourselves in our sin nature. That's what this says. It says flesh or sin, and it's still cloudy because the more you pursue that, the more you let that kind of sin rule in your life or, or pursue that as wisdom, it doesn't clear up anything in your life. It just adds more of the same cloudiness to your life because you're hoping it will fulfill, but every time you go to that thing, there's like a moment of like, oh, and release but then it leads right back to emptiness. That's what sin does. It's not there to fulfill you. It's not there to give you wisdom. It's our flesh's wisdom. It's our sin. It's this, it's this sin that calls out to us, that entices us, that temptation, the pleasures, and honestly, happiness, like, is a big issue. Like, well, that makes me happy. Well, how long? How long does that happiness last? I'm going to say it's pretty temporary. And our life is full of that kind of wisdom. And we lose more and more and more. So we have the world's wisdom. We have our sin nature, that, that flesh wisdom that's continually trying to distract us and fill us up. And then, and then the last one is, is one that we may not talk a lot about, but it's a real one, and it's Satan himself. 
Satan um, is a liar. He's a thief, right? And he's doing his best to give you something that appears like wisdom, but is a lie, right? That's, that's what he does. Actually, let me read some verses before we pour that one into our life. It says this in John 8, 44. It says, you belong. He's talking about, well, he's, he's, it's interesting. He's talking to the Pharisees in this passage, which is like, whoa, 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 simmer down now. So he's talking about the religious leaders, and he's saying, well, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. The enemy has desires. He has wisdom. He has things that you want he wants you to do that are messed up. And he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is how much? No, no truth in him. None. Why? Because when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Have you ever lied? That's a great question to ask right after I read that, isn't it? It's like, Tim, you just set me up, right? Like, like the thing is, when we lie, we're speaking the native language of our enemy, Satan himself coming out of our mouth. Sometimes we think lying, there's wisdom in lying because it's just a little lie and protecting somebody else. It's still a lie. It's, it's still Satan's wisdom coming out of you. This is what it says in James 3.16, talking about this type of wisdom that Satan has. He says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find, ev- find disorder and every evil practice. So when you allow Satan to have influence in your life, when you hear those whispers and those lies, I don't know if you ever heard the lies about your identity. Satan's brilliant at doing that. Poking you in those wounds where he says, You're not good enough. You remember what that kid said in third grade? You're stupid. You're stupid. Why would you even try to get to know God? No way. God sees you. He knows the sin that you don't even try to talk to him. This is Satan's wisdom. And it definitely is not wisdom. It's a lie. And we can allow his lies to be poured out into our life. And even the lies from other people speaking into us is Satan's influence into your life. Some of you, this is what life looks like. Right? When you think about where you're heading, the direction, the choices that you've made, the, the destination you want to get to, life can feel pretty murky. Choices can be kind of confusing, and you're looking for answers anywhere you can, but you're pursuing the wrong things. You're pursuing the internet, under the world. I'm going to Google that to find the right answer. Um, you're pursuing things that make you happy, that please you, right? That's the sin nature. I just want to be happy. Is there anything wrong with me being happy? No, there's nothing wrong with happiness. But if you're pursuing it in the wrong places, you'll experience wrong things, and it will be temporary happiness. It won't be the joy that God wants to produce in us. And you're letting Satan's attacks come in because you're not putting on your spiritual armor. You're not putting the truth of God in your life, in your mind, in your heart. So the lies can easily come in. You're not protected. And so this has become our life. When we allow these things to come in, it's very, very murky, and we've already let them into our life. This is some ways I would describe the world, the flesh, and, and Satan's wisdom. If, and these may be things, these are just a few, all right? I, don't, I didn't make like a giant, I could write a whole paper on this, but the, this is the fruit of the world's wisdom. It would be like this. 
you cannot celebrate other successes because that means you failed. Somebody's success means you're a failure, right? Because the world would say, no, 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 you can't celebrate other successes because that means you fail. That's the world's wisdom. Pursue self-interest first, meaning you're trying to get for yourself first. You're trying to protect yourself first. It's all about you first, and then maybe others, and then maybe God, right? That's the world's wisdom. You only pursue your own interests. Your happiness is the end goal. That's what the world's wisdom tells you. Just do this to be happy. If it's your happiness, awesome. Go for it. Experience it. Enjoy it. Whatever it is, when, when actually a lot of times the pursuit of that kind of happiness, it ends in destruction. It ends in hurt. It ends in pain. It ends in hurting other people. Uh, the world's wisdom tells us to compromise so that we can achieve. I'm going to compromise my character. I'm going to compromise on this issue or this relationship so I can move up, so I can achieve something, right? It boasts then, but when you do succeed. So if you do succeed, it's like, look at what I did. Look at me. And when I'm talking about boasting, it's that selfish ambition, boasting. It's okay to be proud of something that you've done. It's okay to be like, look, I did that. That's okay. But if you have to tell everybody and boast to everyone in a sense of I'm better than you, now you're looking at the world's wisdom. It boasts when you succeed. I, your identity gets confused. You have identity confusion, and you really can't experience peace or rest when you pursue the world's wisdom. It doesn't come. Identity confusion is a big one. I mean, talk about the world today. People are confused in who the heck they are, and they're being told, pursue everything that pleases you and makes you happy, and yet they're getting more and more anxious, more and more suicidal, more and more depression, and yet they're still said, no, pursue that happy thing, and that's the world's wisdom. It's not leading to peace or rest or fulfillment. And honestly, the bottom line, it's life without God. It's our hearts of rebellion. It's us choosing sin. That's the world's wisdom, right? This is what it starts to look like. Murky, muddy, difficult. But there's something different. There's something different that we're called to pursue. I'm going to just slide this over here. Because when we pursue these, this wisdom, this becomes our life. Now, here's the thing. I, I, and my whole main point was, we don't want that, any of those wisdoms, right? Like, the, we hear it, but we need to filter it through the right thing. We need to filter it through God's wisdom, especially as Christ followers, because there's a description of what God's wisdom looks like. And it is so much better, y'all. It doesn't even compare to the world, the flesh, or Satan. It's not even in the same, like, ballpark, right? Like, this is a completely different thing. That wisdom that comes from above, this is what, this is what it's described as in verses 17 and 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, what? Pure. I mean, there's, there's no blemish, there's no lie, there's nothing worldly. It is pure wisdom. I mean, talk about just anything that's pure. Have you ever had, like, real maple syrup? And then you give me that sugary crap that you buy in a generic bottle? No, it's not the same, right? Like pure. He's saying, no, this is, first of all, pure. Then it's peace-loving. Talk about something good. Like it has a desire for peace. Peace for you and peace for those around you. It's considerate. It's not selfish. It's considerate to those around you. That's the type of wisdom that it is. It's submissive. Like it... it that kind of wisdom is willing to submit to those that God has in your life and submit yourself to God himself. It's a sense of humility. It's full of mercy, meaning this wisdom isn't, you know, like that's not, 
God's wisdom shows mercy. That's who God is, a God of mercy. And say this with me, and good fruit. Do you know how you know the fruit is good? Because the root is good, right? Whatever is feeding the roots of a tree will produce the fruit that's good. If you're rooted in Christ alone, your foundation is on him alone, the fruit's going to be good, y'all. So you got to be rooted to be fruited, right? And he says, that's what this wisdom does. It's good fruit. It's impartial. It doesn't show favoritism, which we read about in the earlier part of James, right? It's like, we, we're not supposed to show favoritism. This wisdom says no favoritism. It's impartial and sincere. It's not, it's not deceptive like the world's or Satan's or our flesh. It is sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Righteousness is a good word. Being right with God, right before God, right in our lives, that's righteousness. And so when we live in this kind of wisdom, whose wisdom is this? God's wisdom. This is God's wisdom. It's all of these things. It's pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere, peacemaking, righteousness. Why? Because this is the character of God. We want to experience the character of God. And so when we think about what's being poured out into our lives, what are you allowing to be poured into your life? Whose wisdom are you allowing to influence your choices because your choices will determine the direction and quality of your life. I'm going to submit to you another way. This is God's wisdom. Did you notice that all the other wisdoms were limited? God's wisdom is unlimited. Now, if I had unlimited, I couldn't pick it up. So this is, this is unlimited. I'm going to go with the water. And our prayer that we read, our memory verse for this whole thing is like, if you don't have wisdom, if you've got the world's wisdom, you've got the wrong wisdom, he says, pray and ask, and what's going to happen? He will give it to you. And the word generously is in that passage, isn't it? Yeah. And so this is what I want to pray. God, would you pour out your wisdom into my life? So when you start praying, God, pour out your wisdom. Let your wisdom be the thing that fills me up, generously overflow in my life. When you pour it out, what happens to you? And that process may not happen overnight. But the more you let God's wisdom pour into your life, the more you ask for God's wisdom, the more you get into God's word, the more you let that flood into your heart, your life, your minds, the way you think, the way you live, the choices you make, the more clear the answers become. The more like God you look like, and the more peace you experience. And so that's my prayer for us. Would you allow God's wisdom to be poured out into your life to remove the world's wisdom, the sinful wisdom of our flesh, and Satan's attempt to give you wisdom that is a lie? Because I would rather have my life look like this. Amen? 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 That's what we long for. That should be our prayer. And when we memorize that verse, I want this picture to be stuck in your head for the rest of your life. If you don't have wisdom, ask. He will give it generously. That's what he does. God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the challenge for us to think about this, this reality of, of different wisdoms coming our way. 
God, we want to let your wisdom pour into our lives. We want your truth to change us. We want your word to transform us. And God, we, we need you to do this because we cannot do it in our own. We cannot walk in our own wisdom through this. So God, as we pursue you, I'm praying for those of us in this room that are pursuing the wrong wisdom that you would convict us right now. That you would reveal the lies the enemy is trying to say to us. The identity he's trying to speak over us that isn't from you. The sin and the sin nature that continue entices us away from you. God, just expose that so that it can be in the light and we can be free from it. Whatever the, the, the ways we allow the world to influence our thinking, help us to put off some things in our life to remove that noise from our life. God, if I have a limited amount of knowledge that I can have, I want to fill it with your knowledge. If I have a limited capacity in my brain, my heart, my mind, I want it to be full with your wisdom. And that's my prayer for all of us this morning, God. Would you fill us up? So I just have a couple of questions as, as we're going to transition to some worship in a moment. But here's my questions. For those of you who are Christ followers in the room, where are you allowing the world, the flesh, or Satan to influence your life? Where is, where is that coming from? And what can you do to get rid of it? That's the challenge this morning, right? I'm, I'm hoping that your prayer will be God please pour your wisdom into it. Please free me, clear me of the murkiness. The good news is and when we ask for forgiveness, God forgives us immediately. That's his mercy. That's his grace poured out on us. That's his peacemaking. There's a difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping. Did you know that? A peacekeeper so often, a peacekeeper avoids things that might frustrate them or create conflict because they just want to keep the peace, so they're not going to deal with it. A peacemaker says, I see it, and I'm going to deal with it. It needs to be made into peace. That's what peacemaking is. That's what God's wisdom does. He makes peace. So you need to make some peace with God and maybe ask him for forgiveness today and let him clear that out of you and experience his forgiveness, his righteousness just pouring into you. And this morning, if you do not know Jesus Christ, I need you to know you're, you cannot get to him in your own power. I just need you to know that. Because no matter how good you try to be, the water in your soul is still murky because it's still blotted out with sin. All of us are sinners. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can climb the ladder to heaven in our own perfection. Can't get there. God knew it, and he still loves us and sent his son to us to show us how to live. Then he became our savior to live forever. He died on the cross for our sins to pay for our penalty on the cross. And then he conquered death itself and rose again. And we know this as truth, <laughs> that if we believe, confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is the son of God and he did it for me, I am saved. I can be saved. You can be saved today. And if that's you, I want you to pray and ask him. If he's, you, you may sense the Holy Spirit just doing something in you right now and he's pulling you towards him and he's saying, please come to me. 
If that's you, let's pray right in this moment. God, you can say this. You can say, God, I want to be yours. I want to be pure. I want to be forgiven. So I'm asking God, would you forgive me of all my sins? Would you make me right and clean? I'm going to confess right now that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross for my sin, and he conquered death and rose again. And I want to have life with him and you forever, God. And I know I can't get there on my own, so please forgive me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me into truth. Lead me into your wisdom, God. I want to be your child. And so I confess this only in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 For all of us, we're going to take a time to respond. We're going to sing the song we just sang a minute ago. Great is your faithfulness. Right? From the rising to the setting of the sun. He never changes. His peace never changes. His love never changes. His heart for you never changes. This is who God is. And so as we sing this and respond, just let the Holy Spirit continue to work in your own heart. So let's, let's, let's worship. God, thank you again for this word. As we worship and respond right now, God, would, would you just lead us uh, in your presence to worship you as we respond right now. In Christ's name. Amen.